Welcome into another edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. And Bubba, I know you share my excitement today. We we're going to revisit with an old friend and uh, one of uh, America's true heroes today on this edition of Rick and Bubba University. Rick, we are, of course, Rick and Bubba University is a standalone podcast, separate from the Daily Show podcast, and we appreciate you tuning in. And Rick, as you mentioned, uh, Ronald Reagan himself called him a great American hero, Colonel Ollie North. Ollie, welcome back. Uh, well, it's great r- to be with you guys. It really is. Uh, you know, it's been too long. It has. You've been on the you've been on the, sh- the show a number of times. We've done events together, and but it's your first time to wade in on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So we're excited. Well, I, I've got the, two of you are great professors. So everybody's going to learn a little something today. Well, we're handing out degrees in common sense. As you know, that has become a superpower. I'll tell you, I might, you know, I just restarted my column, common sense. You know, Thomas Paine did it first. One of the things I've learned over the years is you cannot copyright a title. And so my column is back on the creator syndicate. Uh, In fact, the, the, the column that's, uh, that's up this, this week just happens to be about immigration. Trying to teach. Hot button topics going on. Yeah, well, there, there's a little bit going on with that. Before we dig into all that, just catch everybody up. What all are you doing? Yeah. What have you been doing? What What's up in Ollie Norris' world? Well, let's see. Uh, so since January, I've only started two companies. <laughs> <One's>, <laughs> one is uh, Fidelis Media, which is my uh, visual arts uh, kind of uh, contribution to American social life, and uh, uh, Fidelis Publishing which is uh, the publisher of uh, my new books and several other new books. We, Fidelis Publishing is interesting because our mission statement is very clear. You have to have a biblical message somewhere in your book that, that's relevant to what's going on in the world. Amen. And uh, we've got authors lined up because right after everybody, you may remember there was an election back in November and the different, out, different outfit is now in town. And so right <laughs> after uh, the, the terrible events of early January, uh, almost every major publisher in America came out and announced if, if you had anything to do with the Trump administration, you're not going to, we're not going to publish your books. Right. Just be canceled in general. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so I sent out a press release saying, we'll publish your book. And we now have uh, almost 20 books lined up uh, over the course of the next 12, 14 months. And we we'll probably break even in June, which is pretty phenomenal because in all the other businesses I've started, we didn't do it that fast <laughs> in large part because uh, the product, which is literature, uh, you guys, since you're running a university, know that. And, and what we're trying to do is offer opportunities for, for people with a different perspective than someone else might have to be published and have go on the record is here's, here's what's important to them. And uh, it's been very successful so far. So, other than that, uh, we're doing, uh, you know, I got 18 grandkids. I think I only had 16 the last time I was wow. on. Wow, 18, 18 grandkids. 18 grandkids. Uh, unfortunately, in my family, which is a very maternal family, there's 11 boys and seven girls. And, and the, the females of, of my experience kind of dominate things. So I, my way of doing birthdays for, for 28 people, right? Ten, the 10 parents. Right? Yeah, you're right. So you 28 human beings. Well, I think the birthday ought to be like 4th of July. Everybody celebrates their birthday that year. Just one big <laughs> right. birthday. One big birthday. Right. Yes. But guess what? 
I lost. Yeah, you got overruled. <laughs> you got you got overruled. And what's amazing is how many of these kids were born in October and November. Yeah. So start doing the math backwards. I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm at a, at a retirement ceremony for a, a U.S. Army general who I'd covered during the war. And at the reception afterwards, there's an old guy comes over to me on a walker. And he comes up to me and he says, you were in the, the ceremony is being held at Fort Indian Town Gap in Pennsylvania. It's right, right across the Maryland border. And it's a big U.S. Army base. And he says to me, you were born in October of 1943 in San Antonio, Texas. And I said, yes, sir. How do you know that? He said, I delivered you. Wow. Said, really? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something else you don't know, Sonny. He says, you were sired, that's the word he used, you were sired right here, probably in that Quonset hut down there at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> I said, how do you know that? So he says, oh, I examined your mother. And on top of that, on top of that, the division came here in January of 1943 from Fort Niagara, and we left here in April. And you were born in October. Do the math, son. Do the math. <laughs> I bet that was a weird feeling to know you were standing on hallowed ground. It was great. Yeah. So I've got a whole bunch of kids who were born, grandkids who were born in September, October, November. Do the math, son. It's cold winters. Yeah. Cold winters. <laughs> I tell you, when you celebrate all those birthdays, oh, I mean, yeah. you, you don't hardly have any weekends available. No, you? Uh-huh. Oh, very true. That's why I'm glad to be hiding out where I am right now. <laughs> I, I, I married this beach house 53 years ago. Wow. And uh, we've been blessed. And so we're actually down here opening it up, getting ready for the herds and the hordes to, to come out. And at, at one point in time, it was perfect for just, uh, you know, Betsy and me and then four kids. And now you go 28 human beings, if they all show up, they have to rent property nearby. Yeah. You have to rotate them in. in. They have to have a reservation. Yeah. Right? I don't even know that they make a place that is that anybody could afford that you could say, no, everybody comes yeah. to one place. Yeah. A yeah. hotel. Yeah. yeah. That's about it. Well, Fox paid me a lot more to get shot at than the Marine Corps, but even Fox didn't pay me enough. Now, is it like the border if a grandchild gets in? Do the parents make it too? Is that how does that work? <laughs> well, there's always a there's a parent there's always an adult in charge of the kayaks and the sailboats and the things like that <laughs> to make sure that everybody's got to get. If you're going to go out in the kayak out in that big ocean out there. You darn well better have a life jacket on because granddad's going to ground you otherwise. Yeah, yeah. So, so those kinds of things. Yeah, you're in charge of this and you're in charge of that. It's kind of fun because I don't have to cook all the meals. <laughs> you delegate. Yeah. I, can you yeah. imagine, you know, anytime we take the family and go to the beach, trying to eat at a restaurant, even if you've only got 12 people, is impossible. Oh, yeah. you, you have no hope of eating at a restaurant. No, absolutely right. No. And, and our son, you know, they, our son and his wife, they have seven kids, five boys, wow. bookend girls. Wow. Five boys in the middle, bookend girls. And for them to go out to, heck, McDonald's, they'll drop $100 just to feed the, feed the horde. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the beach house has got to be stocked up. Well, uh, it's, but, one of the, it's, one, it's one of those places where going to Costco actually does make sense. Yeah. It's just Betsy and me. You know, you buy spaghetti by the ton. Right. You buy, you know, all kinds of stuff that comes in big packages. That only works when you got the whole horde around, or if you've got a family like our son, Stuart. Yeah. All right, so we're going to come back. You've got a new book uh, called Veterans Lament. Uh, We're we're going to come back and and dive into this because it kind of ties into a huge topic uh, that's going on in our country, and we will 
talk about that when we come back, when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. So Colonel North is with us, Ollie North, and and you were talking about your new publishing company, and 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 sadly, uh, it, it is needed because there there's an a, an attempt right now uh, for certain voices to be silenced in our country, which yeah. uh, would make our founding fathers roll in their mm. grave, no matter what your point of view might be, that anyone's voice would be silenced. And and you, if you don't have other places to go, like this publishing company that you've started. It, it, what the other publishing companies were saying is we won't let you get your book out uh, right. unless you can self-publish and find some way to finance that yourself. You created uh, your new publishing company for that, and, and also I, I assume that you're publishing your books through your own company now. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and you've written many books, but Veterans Lament, when you think about what people like you fought for, uh, you know, and, and the question the book asks is a question we get on the show all the time. Uh, is the current state of this country, is this the country that people like you and others fought for? And you and David Getch got together and wrote this book. So tell us what we're going to find in the book. Well, I don't want to give away the end, but uh, <laughs> let me tell you, we're already working on the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you, what, what's fascinating, and, and a lot of this is the consequence, all of these interviews in this book were done before the last election. Wow. Okay. Make that very clear. And so we're, we're asking the question, is this the America you fought for? Okay. To all, of the, all of the people in this book served in the armed forces, over 500 interviews, questionnaires that, that David actually you know, came up with. And we're now going back to them because of what's happening in the aftermath of the election. Look, at the armed forces of the United States exist for two purposes only. Number one, to deter war. Number two, if you have to fight a war, you win it, okay? Yep. Those are the only two missions of the armed forces of the United States. Doesn't matter what branch you're in, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, the Coast Guard, National Guard, doesn't matter. That's the only mission, the only thing you have to do. What's happening now is that you've got, when you come into the service, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps Reserve on December 29th, 1961, before you guys were even born, right? right. And so I'm looking at, the questionnaire that I filled out four pages long to get into the Marine Corps, all right? And on it is a loyalty question. And, you, and you're, you're swearing under, under the penalty of perjury if you're not telling the truth, right? And so the, the single loyalty question was in those days, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? That was it, mm. okay? That form... Now, now it's called Form 82 or 84. That form is now over 20 pages long. And you've got questions like, have you ever been part of an extremist organization? Well, they don't define extremist organization. Right. And they don't say what it is. Have you ever been a racist? Have you, are you white? Yeah. That, by the way, that, that question is on the, on the questionnaire. Wow. Probably won't be for long. If you look at and it doesn't necessarily have to be, because... The, the wonderful thing about the Armed Forces of the United States, and I spent 25 years in uniform, 22 of them as a U.S. Marine officer. It's a meritocracy. It's based on your performance of duty. It's based on you, your ability to carry out your, your military occupational specialty it's, and your ability to deal with leading people sometimes in harm's way. So it, it is a meritocracy. It doesn't really care what color you are. 
doesn't care what your background is, doesn't care what your last name is, doesn't care what the nationality of your grandparents was. It cares about, and, and your promotion is based upon, your performance of duty. Can you do what's, what, what's required of you? For a leader, the, the formula is very simple. You cannot ask someone to do that which you cannot do or will not do yourself, right? And so I look at my experience in the military and I say, what the heck is happening when we're now, instead of practicing to make sure that you've got the readiness you need to deter war or win one if you have to fight it, instead of that, the new Secretary of Defense is out doing, are you a social justice warrior, yeah, right? And, and what are you doing to, to make sure that, that, that no one you, in your command or your unit is, is out of bounds in terms of saying something that may be perceived as racist? And so he, he ordered back right after he took office uh, in February, he ordered in his next 60 days, we want a one day full stand down. It doesn't sound like much. I mean, particularly in the aftermath of COVID when we've had a lot of stand down kind of stuff going on, not just in the military, but in all of our lives. I want a one day stand down in which you will bring into your, into an office or a field or wherever you are in the United States military, you will bring in your unit and you will counsel them and educate them and listen to them and report back as to what you're finding out about extremism, about sexual impropriety, about, in other words, we want you to rat out your buddies, all right? And so this witch hunt, think about this, 1.5 million Americans, roughly, in the armed forces of the United States or in the military Department of Defense support activities, okay? So 1.5 million man days, man days, instead of fixing airplanes or repairing equipment or training to fight or out there and qualifying on a rifle range, 1.5 million man days are now going to be taken up with this witch hunt. Why? Well, because the new commander in chief thinks that's the right way, right way to deal with the military. In the aftermath of his first briefing, President Biden, some weeks back, went to the Pentagon and got what they call the briefing. Every president gets it. In right. fact, Ronald Reagan did two of them. He did one as, right after he was elected in 1980. So 1981, when he takes office, he, he gets that briefing. Again, when he ran for real, we got reelected in 1984. So 1985, I actually went with him on that second one. And it's, it's the PSYOP. It's the Strategic Integrated Operations Plan. It's the deployment of all the troops in the military. Here's why we're doing this. And here's why we're doing that. And here's why we do freedom of navigation exercises and operations like Gulf of Sidra, when Gaddafi launched his airplanes to drive everybody out of Remember the line of death? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know there's folks watching this that don't remember yeah. this. But oh, yeah. Well, he was guy. in his bass boat with his rotting crop out there <laughs> showing everybody where it was. <laughs> yeah. So Gaddafi launches, and the president gets the brief on it, right? And he says, next time. And then they turned around. The carrier, I think it was Saratoga, launched aircraft to chase back the, the Soviet-built MiGs that were being flown by Libyan pilots because they, they bolted away. They didn't fire at the ship, but they got chased off by the carrier air, air patrol. And so <laughs> Reagan says, that, and they turned around at the 12-mile mark and, and right. came back out to the ship, chased them away. And President Reagan's line was, well, next time, chase them back to their hangars and bomb them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good Ronald Reagan. <laughs> well, I, I, what? Well, well, Ali, don't screw this one up. <laughs> <laughs>
You know, all the times that we've been together, you could never do that stuff before. Here we are now doing a podcast and you can get away with it. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll come anyway, back. The, yeah, the bottom line of it, this book is about those guys and why they're concerned. And right. it's, it's things like this witch hunt that got them so gets them so lathered up with good reason. Yeah. And we'll talk more about the book and get more specific about some of the things that we're seeing right now when our conversation with Colonel Oliver North continues on Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. All right, so Bubba, you and I know uh, we run a, a small business, and, and there's a lot of people out there that say, in the times we're living in right now, if I have HR issues, our, our company could just it could cease to exist. And, and, and if you're looking for a good HR person right now, uh, you're going to be looking at mm, minimum $70,000 a year, yeah, probably something at like least, that. At well, least. if you're a small operation, you, you may not be able to pay that kind of money, even though you still might face wrongful termination suits, uh, these minimum wage requirements, uh, who knows what's going to happen in this new administration, labor regulations. So here's what we want you to do. You, you need to contact Bambi. That's B-A-M-B-E-E, because it was created specifically for small businesses. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. Uh, with Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability. Now it becomes your biggest strength. Uh, your dedicated HR manager is available to you by phone, email, or real-time chat. Now you know, you got people coming on to the team. They can help you with that. You have to terminate somebody. They can help you with that. If you need to customize your policies to fit your business, they help you manage that. Uh, and they can manage your employees day by day. And we're talking $99 a month. So let Bambi help. Now, you can get your free HR audit today by doing this. Go to Bambi, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Rick and Bubba right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash Rick and Bubba, B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Rick and Bubba. Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continuing. Colonel Oliver North, our guest. Colonel North, let me ask you this. We want to, we want to talk about the book and some things going on there and some past history and bring all that up. But let me ask you something about current history. Talk to us. Give us your thoughts on President Donald Trump. How did he do the election? How did that How did that happen? Give us your thoughts on him. Well, full disclosure now, I've known him for, I guess, 10 years. He's been a major donor to my foundation, Freedom Alliance. Uh, he, at one point, I've, I've got the phone right here that he, he said, put this number in. The, and this is right after he was elected. Uh, just before he was he was uh, running for the nomination uh, during the primary season, uh, I talked to him a lot about different things. I put together a fundraiser for him in uh, Northern Virginia. His last big rally before the election itself was uh, in a field uh, not too far from where my best friend keeps me. Mm. And so I've known him a long time. Uh, I think that the things that Donald Trump did his policies, his, his process, his strategic goals, both domestically and internationally, were absolutely the right thing to do. I mean, he, he, he did them in ways that were probably not as, as recognizable because, first of all, the so-called mainstream media hated him, yep. okay? Yep. And he called them the fake news, and they are the fake news, <laughs> all right? And, and so instead of trying to in, instead of trying to find a neutral way of reporting on what he was doing, they attacked him at, at every turn. And I think understandably that creates a sense 
no matter who you are, whether you're a potentate or a president, whether you're the head of a major corporation or whether you're just a, a guy out there turning a wrench, making things happen. The way he put it in many cases infuriated people, okay? And, and some of it was Twitter on this thing. Mm -hmm. Some of it was, you know, just him talking to the guys as he's going out the helicopter. But look at the difference between what that president accomplished, the, the, the lowest unemployment rate in the history of our country since they kept started keeping records on it back in the 30s, okay? The, the economy was booming. There were people who had jobs for the first time in their lives, and they were in their 30s and 40s, and many of them were minorities, okay, who could proudly go home and say, I've got a paycheck. It's not, a, it's not from a drug deal. I have the dignity of work. This is a paycheck. And they moved back in with a woman that they'd made pregnant and then left. In many cases, not married. And they came back and says, I want to, I want to get married to you. All that by the time he gets to the, the, almost the end of 2019 and suddenly, boom. COVID. And the aftermath of COVID is that, one, we have vaccines that Betsy and I have had. You guys are probably too young to have gotten yours yet, but we've had ours. And, and that would never have happened except for Donald Trump. Does he get any credit for that? No. Project Warp Speed made it happen. And no one else could have done that, particularly a guy who'd gone after the pharmaceutical companies, attacking them for not giving us prices that we could afford for all kinds of medications, right? He, means he was hammering them. And yet he brought them into the room and, and cajoled them and, and threatened them and they got it done. And so we now have what, four different vaccines yeah. worldwide and we're helping other people all around the globe. The national security of the United States was never better in, in large part because he took the same approach Ronald Reagan did, peace through strength. And he started rebuilding the American military which had been at war for darn near 20 years. I know because I covered it. Mm -hmm. And as you and I know, I joke around about some of those things. And Fox did pay me a lot more to get shot at than the Marine Corps did. <laughs> right. and, and I loved what I was doing because I got to keep company with heroes. And I would watch when this pre when President Trump would be out there with the troops. They loved him. Okay. There was no ambivalence about it. And, it, and the press never would report it that way. In fact, they would lie about him frequently. They would say things like, Donald Trump's the first president not to visit the troops at Christmas. Well, in fact, he did. In fact, I know he did because I saw it happen, right? Yeah. And you go, how could they put that in the New York Times headline? How could they not say, oh, well, actually, he didn't get there until the 26th because he took off on Christmas Day, flew to Iraq, flew to Afghanistan, and met with the troops, right? It was the 26th. And he said, well, we're justified in saying he didn't go there in Christmas time because oh, the 26th isn't Christmas. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of treatment he was given. Now, the aftermath of what happens on the, on the 6th of January after the election, I, you know, people ask me all the time, they probably ask you guys, was that election stolen? I don't know. I mean, we'll never know because in, in, in part because the records were so badly kept. And we all saw, right, the... What happened in that one precinct where they're counting ballots and they close, shut things down, come back tomorrow morning. And then there's the security cameras that yeah. the idiots who are doing this didn't even know were on, pulling the bags out from under the table. God knows how many suitcases, at least three that I saw, right? Yeah. It just looked suspicious, did it? And I never really understand what was going on there. Yeah. yeah. How, many, how many ballots could you put in those? <laughs> Is it enough to steal an election? I don't know. But I do know this. 
what they're trying to do now is trying to guarantee that no election can ever go against the incumbent party. And that's not good, no matter you're, you're Republican or Democrat. What they're trying to do is to try to undo everything that Donald Trump did domestically and internationally. And he put us in better. There's all this garbage here that we constantly see from the new regime in Washington about how Donald Trump destroyed our alliances. He did the opposite. And he knew that he knew that these guys, right? He knew that these guys, the communist Chinese, were our, our number one adversary. He didn't hesitate stuff. And he took ideas from this book, right? And gave them to Pompeo and the director of national intelligence and the Department of Justice. And they went after the communist Chinese about all kinds of terrible things that they're doing around the world. And he built alliances in places we'd never had them. I mean, back a thousand years ago, you had the Southeast Asian Treaty Organization, CETO, it's been abandoned for decades. And he's now, he started to rebuild the process. Let's get India, an adversary of communist China, Australia, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan. Let's get together on a regular basis and see what we can do to protect them and us from the communist Chinese. He rebuilt NATO. He got NATO to contribute for the very first time since 1945 and contribute to the, the effort overall. That's not a failure, that's a success. And I'm sick and tired of, the, of our colleagues, our colleagues in the so-called mainstream media who are going out there continuing to badmouth the former president. What he accomplished is unprecedented. And he did it in four years. And, and my hope, my prayer is that, you know, I, I'll be political, okay? I'm hoping that in two years, we have a Congress that's gonna stand up and oppose what this administration is doing. If we don't get that, I fear for those 18 grandkids. That's why I do what I do. I don't want my 18 grandkids to suffer the consequences of what this new regime is trying to do to them. Uh, Ollie, are you, is it mind boggling to you how far to the left the left has gone? I mean, when you were in Washington, if you were a liberal, you know, you, you oppose tax cuts. <laughs> now, I mean, they, there's confusion on gender, bathrooms, who can compete. We want uh, District of Columbia to be a state to be sure that we never uh, see anything else passed or, or any national wins uh, in the Senate, for sure. I mean, it, it's just really, really gone far left, hasn't it? Yes, in, in almost every institution of our government. And quite frankly, I'm surprised at how fast it's happening. Uh, I, I have no doubt that it was going to happen. If, if this outfit got into power, that that's what they were going to try to do. The fact that they've gotten as far as they have on just executive orders alone, uh, things like you just mentioned, my friend, when you talk about the District of Columbia becoming a state, there are those who will argue that the Constitution does not permit that. Oh, we'll just redraw the boundaries. Well, you got to go back to the guys, the founding fathers, who understood what was going to happen in this country if you ended up with a federal district in which people could basically dominate the political process. And so the same thing with the Electoral College, the same thing with the Supreme Court. All of those things are now in jeopardy because this outfit is intent on getting their way as fast as they possibly can. The end result is going to be massive tax increases in, in the short term, massive tax increases, enormous new regulations. And I, I, I kind of, you know, I, everybody remembers the shovel-ready pro projects? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the shovel-ready projects, after eight years of the previous regime, 
are now being accomplished because Donald Trump lifted a bunch of those regulations that required that the EPA do a 45-year study on whether you could build a bridge. (laughs) They're finally being done. Okay, so they're now talking about a a multi-trillion dollar, you know, effort to improve our infrastructure, which we need. We need, I don't know if there's got to be multi-trillions, but bottom, bottom line is, they're going to find that the new regulations they're putting back in is going to prevent the kinds of stuff that Donald Trump would have done, boom, like that, if he'd had the chance. And so what you would hope was that the the new regime in Washington would figure out, hey, it's not to our advantage to tie this whole thing up in knots again, so that you can't build the bridges and the roads and the highways and the airports and and the telecommunications infrastructure we've got to have, right? I mean, we've got places, even in Virginia, where the local jurisdiction says, we don't want any cell towers. Well, guess what? <laughs> the people that are fleeing New York City are coming to places like Virginia and the Carolinas. And by golly, they're going to build cell towers out there so that people can communicate. And you're going to have a 5G system that's got, not going to be run by the communist Chinese unless the regime bends over so that this guy right there, Xi Jinping, yeah. is telling us what kind of what kind of telephone we're going to have and who's going to run the, run the uh, intelligence system that makes it work. God help us. Well, we'll come back. And when we come back, I want to, you, you mentioned China and you, and, and of course you have a lot of expertise uh, serving so long and, and being with those, uh, those men and women who service in the military. You're going to talk about the current state of our military and, and kind of where we're going when we come back more with Colonel Oliver North on this edition of Rick and Bubba university, the podcast. All right, so Bubba, this is um, this is one of those real simple commercials that we do. Uh, I know we're all thinking, and we, that we, you and I have talked about example and example of this. You know, I get tired of my money going to fund things that I think are destroying this country or that I personally oppose, but I don't have any choice unless somebody gives me a choice. Yeah, give me a way give out. Me a way. Give me a way out. Well, say hello to Patriot Mobile. Uh, they just expanded their coverage dramatically. Uh, which will make it easier for even more Americans to dump the big name carriers who charge way too much, and then they donate that money to these type of leftist leftist organizations that that we think are destroying this country. Uh, and you know, we we're proud to partner with them. I'm so glad they came on the podcast because uh, they never send a penny that they make uh, to any of these uh, movements uh, that are taking us ever quicker to uh, socialism. Uh, they'll never silence you. Uh, they're, they're America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Plus, you can switch with confidence because they use the same network, we just talked about these cell towers, as the larger providers, but they charge you less. And, and switching is easy. Yes, you can keep your phone number. You, you know, yeah, so many people got your contact yep. now. Keep your phone number. It goes with you. Yeah, bring your own phone. Buy new one if you want. But uh, build your own bundle with multi-line discounts and save even more. Here's what you need to do to switch to Patriot Mobile right now. Go to patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba, or you can call their U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. Veterans and first responders, you're going to save even more. Uh, this month, get free Premier activation when they set up uh, the phone for you and a special gift with our offer code rickbubba, patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba. That's patriotmobile.com slash rickbubba or 972-PATRIOT. Colonel Oliver North, our guest on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. So we do story after story after story, Colonel, where we, and you've warned about this in all the years we've had you on the program, and and you've warned and you've warned and you've warned. 
you cannot take our military and do social experiments inside the military because it, it, it makes it harder for them to be prepared for the two things you've already mentioned that they're supposed to do. Uh, and we see some, some of this bizarre stuff go, happening now in our military. Well, the other day we had a, a female pilot call the program who serves our country in, uh, it was either the Navy or the Air Force, I don't remember which one, and she said this thing about making maternity clothing for women in the military who fly uh, so they'll be more comfortable. She says, when we're at that point of pregnancy, we don't fly. I, 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 mean, it, I mean, this is, this is lunacy. Uh, there is no need uh, for this type of, of a flight suit. Uh, these experiments going on with gender now, uh, military uh, personnel can change their gender if they want to. There's a push for taxpayers to pay for any type of operation, and we're going to have genderless uh, you know, bases and, and men and women uh, in the same quarters. You know, This just keeps getting weirder and weirder, and, and it makes a, a lot of us as Americans – and, and we have the utmost respect for the military. Please understand that. But we're concerned that the very military that we love is, is not being properly trained to be prepared for what we need them to do. Let, 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 me, just, uh, let me just expand on that just a little bit. Okay. If, if I were the Secretary of Defense, not likely, <laughs> if I were the Secretary of Defense, my job would be to make sure that the readiness of our armed forces was adequate to accomplish the two missions we talked about, deter war and win one if you have to fight it, right? And so anything that you do that degrades that opportunity, that, that possibility, right, is, is unnecessary. In, in fact, it should be wrong. Someone is gonna have to explain to me why we're, when the president of the United States goes and gets the briefing, right? He comes out of the briefing and he comments about the things that, because one of the reporters said, what did, you, what did you learn in that meeting? And the thing that he remembers is not the hypervelocity missiles that we're trying to build to catch up with the Chinese. He's, he doesn't remember apparently that, that the communist Chinese have more ships at sea than we have, that they're building more ships and aircraft than we have, that they're, they're training their pilots to overfly and accomplish a mission by going around and coming in the back door of Taiwan to bomb the living daylights out of the Taiwanese. He's not talking about, he doesn't remember, or apparently, that the communist Chinese are helping the Iranians build nuclear weapons and the means of delivering them. He apparently doesn't remember, and we've just seen an example of this in the last few days, that under the Trump administration, the North Koreans stopped launching ballistic missiles. Mm -hmm. well, guess what just happened a few days ago? Back they again. Launched ballistic missiles into the sea toward Japan. Okay, those are the kinds of things that should grab the president's attention. He's the commander in chief. What does he remember coming out of the meeting? He remembers that we're making maternity flight suits. He remembers that we're, we're allowing women to wear their hair in different configurations at different lengths than we used to. In other words, those are the most important things <laughs> to this president. That gentleman is frightening, okay? And so the secretary of defense is now getting away with this witch hunt about whether you've got a tattoo that might show the cross of St. George is used by a number of different organizations, not just the old Syrian church, but the cross of St. George is used as a symbol for a racist slash extremist organization. You got a 17 year old kid who goes out and gets a tattoo and he's now a 22 or 23 year old US Marine. Are we gonna throw him out of the service because he's got a St. George cat tattoo? I mean, should we? Should we be hunting down those kinds of people instead of improving the readiness of our armed forces? 
I don't know if a pregnant woman ought to be flying an airplane or not, but some doctor out there should know. Right. And some should be able to say, as Jim Mattis, when he was Secretary of Defense, we're not going to do sex change operations because it doesn't do any good for our armed forces. They, they're non-deployable in most cases because they're subject to monthly or weekly or whatever it is, hormone treats, treatments. And we can't be doing that stuff in the field. So if you can't deploy, then you can't come into service. You know, I, I'm 77 years old. If I walk into a recruiting station and say, I demand, as, a, as an oldster, I demand that I come back in the Marine Corps. Is the Marine Corps going to take me? Hell no. Right. But if a guy walks into a Marine recruiting station today and says, I want to come in the United States Marine Corps because I want a sex change operation, he may have to be taken in. Wow. I mean, that's where we're headed. So I ask the American people, when I go out and I talk to them, I say, what do you want from your armed forces? Do you want social justice warriors out there? Or do you want people who know how to fight a war and win one if you have to fight it? Can you deter war with people who have a, a maternity flight suit? I, I, don't, I don't think the communist Chinese are worried about that. See, in fact, they applaud that kind of thing. And so their disinformation campaigns and their propaganda campaigns and, and what they did to us just a few weeks ago up in Anchorage, Alaska, when they said, don't you lecture us about how we're treating the Uyghurs. You've got Black Lives Matters issues. And the new secretary of state sitting on his thumb and, you know, going, oh, gosh. Yeah. And they, they read us the riot act. And they're out there using that propaganda against us all the time. And so when you see the kind of craziness that occurred on, on, on January 6th, the press has to blame Donald Trump for it. And I, I look at that and I say to myself, boy, what, what are my grandkids looking at? What are my grandkids seeing about what's going to what the country that they're going to inherit? besides this astronomical debt that they're going to somehow have to pay off. Ollie, let me ask you this. The, the Chi-Coms, what's their end game? What do they want? Well, no, they want they want to dominate the world. And, and you know what? The, the crazy part of it is they publish stuff about that. They're journals. I mean, they're, they're, they're experts uh, on geostrategic interests are, are out there buying places. Right, right now, they're buying mines in sub-Saharan Africa. Okay, in what they call their Belt and Road Initiative, and the Belt and Road Initiative basically says, yeah, "You guys, you guys need a highway infrastructure. We'll build it for you." By the way, we want to buy that mine over there that's producing lithium, or we want to be able to buy that rare earth mineral that you've got here that we need, or that gold mine, or that cobalt. Or, in other words, we'll take care of it for you. Guess where that money came from? It came from us. You know, one of Donald Trump's great initiatives was bring your businesses back home, and I, I, I will take credit for it. It's in this book. Mm -hmm. Okay. If an American business brings brings their business back from China to the United States, and the widget you were making over there for for fifteen cents or whatever, and you're selling for fifty dollars, you can make it here in the United States, and we'll give you a tax break to do it. There were dozens of people, big businesses, that brought at least parts of their business back to the United States. Well, guess what? The new tax law is going to is going to send right back to China right. the the new idea the the whole idea of bringing businesses back to America that's gone again. That's the kind of thing that has me very concerned about the future. And I look, it's not just military. The Communist Chinese intend to dominate every aspect of the economy, diplomacy, the military, and the resources necessary to keep this country going. That's that's their intent. But 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 that seems so simple. And, and we see that, and, and like Bubba and I say, we're C students from Calhoun County, Alabama, and we see that logic. The left can't see that? I mean, I, I guess Bubba and I always get really confused over what is the end game. That's pretty straightforward that these kinds of tax plans send business back 
to China. It makes China even stronger. Are they naive to the Chinese in their end game, or is it just all about the biggest tyrannical central government we can possibly have? Are they just bad at math yeah. here, and, Ollie, you and, think? And if you're in the ruling class, it'll be okay for you. <laughs> I don't understand. Can't they see that this is not the right thing to do? No. And, and literally, they're, they're, their lenses are polarized to face left, okay? And so whatever your policy is, remember, they want to undo everything that was done by the previous administration, diplomatically, domestically, internationally, militarily. And that means that you can't, they cannot, look at the, the horror of what's going on on the border. Right. I mean, think about, I mean, Donald Trump says, we're going to build a pipeline so, so, so we can be energy independent. No. Okay, we're going to build a wall to make sure that America has a border, right? Because countries mm-hmm. without borders aren't countries at all. Right. No. I mean, think of the things that stopped literally in their tracks the day after the inauguration. I mean, if, if, if they could see those kinds of things as problems, I mean, it, it's pretty, pretty blatant when you can. At the Pentagon, they actually have guys who know how to do this. They count up the numbers of airplanes your enemies have. They count up the number of <laughs> yeah. ships that they have. They count up the number of soldiers they have. They count up the numbers of weapons that they've got and the new developments and all that. And, and suddenly somebody says, we need to spend some more money on the Pentagon. The Pentagon budget is going to be cut in the next president's budget, right? Which is coming down the pike here in the next few weeks. Okay. This is not the time to be cutting the Pentagon's budget. The taxes are going to go up on average businesses. Okay. And so people are going to start exporting their businesses again and jobs for Americans. I look at those things and say, the people running our government want to dominate every aspect of American it has life. has to be that. Yeah. And if we don't stop them in, an, in the next series of elections, we're doomed. Ollie, there's so many other topics we, we want to cover with you. But in the last few minutes of this, I have to tell you, we, Rick and I have been doing this 27 years full time, few years part time prior to that. We've got to do some very cool things, not because of who we are, but the chairs that we sit in. But some of the events we've done with you and the fun things we've done with you are some of my fondest memories and always will be. We've done several events. You remember Ollie played Fat Fest? We, we did a, right. a, a speaking engagement. I, matter of fact, I have pictures there in my office. We did a, an event in Atlanta with uh, Ann Coulter at, uh, at a, an event over there. But one of my favorite is one of the times you came to town and you were coming to be on the show and you were writing a book and you said, look, I don't don't have a lot of time. And, and we met you and we were going to go to dinner and we got a room at Ruth Chris Steakhouse. Yeah. And, and you said, it's got to be quick, guys. It's got to be quick because I got to get to the hotel and do some writing. Griff Jenkins was with you. He was your right hand man. And we went in the little, uh, you know, the little room in the back. And we got to talking and having fun and cutting up, and it was about 6 o'clock, and we were going to try to get you out of there by 7. About 11 o'clock, we left after the last <laughs> round of ice cream came in. Do you remember that? We had such I a do. ball. I do. And that happens a lot. You know, <laughs> Betsy, Betsy, gets, you know, Betsy just walked in. She's standing right here. Hey, she's going to grow and says, <laughs> One of the great blessings we've had is we've been able to do a lot of things together in 53 years. Of yeah. One of the things that we had a lot of fun doing is things like, going to Israel, leading groups to, yeah. to Israel. On our last trip over before COVID, we're standing in the lobby of the David Citadel Hotel waiting for another couple to come down that we're going to go to dinner with. And they're Israelis. And so 
I, Betsy's looking at the elevator. I'm looking out the front door and I see a tour bus come in and I know it's full of Americans because I've seen on the side of the buses that went by, I saw the sign that said, Mike Huckabee, Holy Land Tours. It's got to be full of gringos. <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> on the shoulder. And I said, we're about to get mobbed in because that, that bus and she could see the back end of the bus, but not the sign. That bus out there is full of Americans and we're about to, there's a mob scene coming in. And she said, oh, how do you know it's full of Americans? I said, I have great situational awareness. Yes, you do. <laughs> First guy gets off the bus, walks over to us. The elevator still doesn't come down. And he walks over to me and he says, anybody ever tell you, you look a lot like Ollie North? <laughs> and I say, it's a good thing I look like Ollie North because I'm sleeping with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, he says to me, you better watch yourself. Here's her husband's a Marine. He'll kick your butt. He walks <laughs> okay. And she turns to me and she says, and she's rolling her eyes right now. She says to me, you didn't see that one coming, did you, Mr. Situational Awareness? <laughs> oh, that's great. Ollie, thank you for taking time to be with us. What a great story to, you guys. to end on. And thank you for the service that uh, you continue for our country, uh, even beyond your military service. And thank you for the publishing company and what you guys are doing. If you'd like to find out more about this, go to olivernorth.com. You can find all kinds of content. Uh, and don't forget the new book uh, is Veterans Lament. It is a must read. Uh, grab it there at olivernorth.com. Ollie, thanks for being with us. Simplify, guys. Pray for our country. Amen. Every day. And thanks to all of you that have joined us for this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. 